الحمد لله رب العالمين له الحمد الحسن والثناء الجميل وشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له يقول الحق وهو يهدي السبيل وأشهد أن سيدنا ونبينا محمد صلى الله عليه وعلى آله وأصحابه والتابعين لهم بإحسان إلى يوم الدين أما بعد Inshallah ta'ala today we're going to do the life of Al-Imam Abi Dawood and then we do Tirmidhi after that. So we're going to do the life of Al-Imam Abi Dawood and also inshallah ta'ala study a bit about his Sunan. So every scholar that we speak about, we speak about the author and we speak about the book. But what I want you to all understand is brothers, all of these Imams, they can be spoken about for weeks, maybe months. And what I'm giving you here is the drop of the ocean of what can be said about these Imams. And I mean that. To talk about Imam Abi Dawood Sunan, that took him years to author, we can't do it in one hour, let alone the life of the author. But what we can do, inshallah ta'ala, is if we can't do everything or we can't tackle a topic in its totality, we do the best, sah? And we mention what we are able. Write this down, inshallah ta'ala, before we go into the life of the author. Al-Imam Al-Hafidh Ibn Al-Arabiyu Al-Imam Al-Hafidh Ibn Al-A'rabi Ibn Al-A'rabiyu He's one of the students of Al-Imam Abi Dawood And he's one of the narrators that narrated the Sunan from him We're going to see him later inshallah ta'ala He said something very powerful He said لو أن رجلا لم يكن عنده من العلم إلا المصحف الذي فيه كتاب الله ثم هذا الكتاب لم يحتج معهما إلى شيء من العلم البتة. Patent is a big statement. He said, if a person only memorized the book of Allah and Sunan Abi Dawood, and he had no other knowledge, he said, لم يحتج معهما إلى شيء من العلم البتة. He would not need any other knowledge. He will not need any knowledge whatsoever. You know why? The Quran is the speech of who? Allah Azza wa Jalla. And the Sunnah is attributed to who? The Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. You have the Quran and the? the Quran and the Sunnah. And the Quran and the Sunnah, the Sunnah is many types, right? We spoke about it. There's many types of Sunnah. The Sunnah that's in Sunnah Abi Dawood, we're going to speak about it later, is regarding a hadithul ahkam, jurisprudent rulings, halal and haram. And that's the most important thing after aqidah. After a person perfects his aqidah, he needs to learn, learn what's halal and what's haram. Fadailu a'mal, virtuous actions, heart softening, they all come after. We all together. The person needs to learn aqidah first. When he gets 
Aqidah, what does he need after that? Ahkam, rulings. Tahara, salah, zakah, sawm, hajj, do and don't. Al-Hafidh Zakariya Sajiyu rahimahullah, he said. Al-Hafidh Zakariya Sajiyu, he said. Kitabullah, the book of Allah, is what? Asrul Islam. The book of Allah is the foundation of our religion. What's the foundation? The book of Allah. Wakitabu Abu Dawood Ahdul Islam. And the kitab of Imam Abu Dawood is the covenant of Islam. Ahd, the covenant. That each and every one of us has to hold on to. The promise that we have to hold on to. That we need to come with. This is, that's regarding his book, right? That's regarding what? His book. What about him, and Imam Abi Dawood? Musa ibn Harun, the great Hafiz, who died in year 294 Hijriya, he said, Abu Dawood. Abu Dawood was created fi dunya. He was created in this dunya lil hadith for hadith. وَفِي الْآخِرَةِ And in the day of judgment, لِلْجَنَّةِ I never saw أَفْضَلَ منه Anyone greater than him, he said. So the day of judgment, we hope for Abu Dawood Jannah. See, no one's sure. We hope. And in this dunya, Allah Taala created him for hadith. وَلِذَلِكَ Some of the scholars, they said, لَيَّنَ اللَّهُ لِأَبِي دَاوُودَ الْحَدِيثَ كَمَا لَيَّنَ لِدَاوُودَ الْحَدِيدَ Allah made hadith soft for Abu Dawood the way he made the metal soft for Nabi Lahi Dawood. Allah made hadith soft, easy. For Abu Dawood, the way he made the metal what? Didn't Allah say about Nabi Lahi Dawood, وَأَلَنَّا لَهُ الْحَدِيدِ That we made the metal soft for Dawood. Dawood used to make armor with his own hands. The helmet, he'll make it with it. He didn't use, he, he, he never used to, Nabi Lahi Dawood never used to burn the metal to make it reach a temperature where he can bend it. He didn't need that. As soon as he grabbed the metal, it will bend. And he could carve it with his own hand. Allah did that for Nabi Lahi Dawood. And Abu Dawood, Allah made knowledge of hadith like that for him. That's what they said. And last week, remember when we were talking about the four, six, the six scholars of hadith. We were talking about Bukhari, Muslim, Abi Dawood, Tirmidhi, Ibn Majah, and Nasa'i. What did we say? We said that two of them are mujtahid mutlaq. What does it mean, mujtahid mutlaq? They can look at the Quran and the Sunnah and extract a ruling from it directly without looking at whether someone preceded them or not. And who are the two we said that can do this? Al-Imam al-Bukhari and who? Al-Imam al-Abi Dawood. These two we said they were mujtahid mutlaq. This is the highest level a person can reach. They read the Quran and they look at the Sunnah and they stipulate, they extract from both of them 
rulings and regulations. This is a mujtahid mutlaq. There are the mujtahid, like in the reason why we say mutlaq is because there's mujtahid which is muqayyad fi madhabin muayyan. He's a mujtahid in a particular madhab. He can do ijtihad in the Shafi'i madhab. But he can't do ijtihad in totality. Al-Imam Abi Dawood and Bukhari, they could do ijtihad mutlaq. They were of the caliber of who? Al-Imam Shafi'i. Al-Imam Ahmed. Abu Hanifa. Al-Imam Malik. These were mujtahidin mutlaq. Now we're going to go into the life of the author, rahimahullah ta'ala, Imam Abi Dawood. Imam Abi Dawood, his name is Sulaiman. That's his name. Imam Abi Dawood's name is what? Sulaiman. Sulaiman is his name. His father's name is Al Ash'ath. Al Al Ash Al Ash Ath. Ath, sorry. Al Ash'ath. Tha, not Fa. Sulaiman ibn Al Ash'ath. Al Ash'ath. Ibn Ishaq. But he's well known as what? Abu Dawood. And Imam Abu Dawood, he is from and he was born also in Sijistan. That's why he's called Abu Dawood as Sijistani. As Sijistani. So his name is Sulaiman ibn al-Ash'ath. If you learn that much, Sulaiman ibn al-Ash'ath, his kunya is what? Abu Dawood. Um, and he's from Sijistan. So he is what? Sijistaniyu. That's what he is, Sijistaniyu. Very good. And he was born there. Al-Imam Abu Dawood, rahimahullah ta'ala. Bilad is Sindh. Sindh, where is it now? Huh? Huh? In India, Naam. It's part of, it's, it's spread between Kandahar, it's big land, and part of it does enter India. Are you with me? Huh? Pakistan now, now currently known as Pakistan, Naam. Now currently known as Pakistan. Al-Imam Abi Dawood is Sijistani. Just to show you that the Ajab, that, that these were not Arabs, foreigners. Huh? From those lands, they came, they supported Islam, they defended the religion, and Allah raised them, subhanahu wa ta'ala. This religion does not look at your background and where you're from. It doesn't care. It can be from whatever land you like. What honors you is not your background or your lineage or your people that doesn't honor you Mecca was once upon a time a place where the companions were told to migrate from land does not honor you and it was a land they were commanded to come back to again 
So your land, your country doesn't honor you unless you become something for this deen. And Imam Abi Dawood, he was born. Now we're going to go to Wiladatuhu. When was Imam Abi Dawood born? Imam Abi Dawood, he was born in Sijistan when the year was Ithnaini wa Mi'atain. 210. Uh, 202. He was born, Rahimahullah, Sanatathnataini Wamiatain, 202. He himself said this. His student transmitted this from him. Abu Ubaid al Ajriyu, he said that Samir to Suleyman ibn al Ashat, Abu Dawood in Yakul, Wulitu Sanatathnataini Wamiatain. I was born 200 and what? How many years was he after Imam Bukhari? Eight years. So between Imam Abi Dawood and Bukhari is how many years? Bukhari was how many years older than him? Eight years. Naam. What year was Imam Bukhari born? One nine? One nine four. And he was nine years after him in death. Imam Abi Dawood. How many years? They said that one, it was eight years and he just went nine one day and then he died. Some of the Mu'arrikhin, they say he was eight, but the day he was sick when he was eight years, uh, am I making sense? How many years was he died after Imam al-Bukhari? Eight years. When, so it was eight years. So nine years, nine years. What did I say? I said nine years. On the ninth day, when he turned nine, he died. Am I making sense? So he got sick when it was eight years before, and just when, when he when the day turned nine, he died. Rahimahullah. Now we're going to talk about Nashatu wa Usratu, his upbringing, and Imam Abi Dawood and how he, his upbringing was like and his family. Imam Abi Dawood, he grew up in a fi ilm, a family that loved knowledge is where he came out from. He came out from a house that the religion and knowledge was loved. His father, Al-Ash'ath, his father Al-Ash'ath, he's from the Ruwat, the narrators who narrated from Hamad ibn Zayd. His father, he narrated from Hamad ibn Zayd. Are we all together? Al Imam Abi Dawood's father narrated from who? Hamad ibn Zayd. And his brother Muhammad, who was a little bit older than him, his brother Muhammad ibn al Ash'ath, Abi Dawood's brother, was also from the people who traveled with him in seeking hadith. They traveled together, both of them. His brother Muhammad, who was a little bit older than Abi Dawood, he traveled with him. If we get time, inshallah, we will mention he's traveling and where he went. But his brother, his older brother, traveled with him and sought knowledge with him. So this is the kind of environment Imam Abi Dawood 
rahimahullah came out from. And this, we have to do a waqfa. We have to stop at this point and realize something. That we need to make our households a place like this. Look what Allah said to Nabiullah Musa and his brother Harun. What did Allah say? Allah said, وَجَعَلُوا بُيُوتَكُمْ Who can finish off? Huh? Qibla. Make your houses Qibla. Do you know what it means, make your house Qibla? Make it where a place Allah is venerated. Allah is glorified. Allah is mentioned. Why is it that um, the famous hadith where the Prophet ﷺ, what did he say? He said, pray the sunnah in where? In your houses. Why? Don't make your household a grave. The Prophet said, Do not make your houses a graveyard. Go and pray in your households. So Isha, don't pray the sunnah of Isha in the masjid. After you pray Isha, take it home. Why? Because your children are going to see you pray. Huh? The children are going to see you pray and this is, has an effect on a child. And your children seeing their father pray and standing up and praying. And so Imam Abi Dawood, he came out from a house like this where his father was a student of knowledge. And this moved on to Imam Abi Dawood. He took the passion of what his father was like. And his brother also took that passion on board. And he start, started to seek knowledge. And really and truly, brothers and sisters, your children really love what you love. They look at you and they can tell when you love something. And that energy that you come with when you're doing it, because you love it, when you love something, you do it with passion. And you do it with style. Because you love it. That is going to go to the heart of your children and it's going to affect them. So sometimes you see parents drive their children to the Quran class and they say, go, go, memorize the Quran. And you say to your child, it's important that you memorize the Quran and it's important that you finish the Quran. But if it's important, why don't you do it? If it's important to finish the Quran and memorize it and to seek knowledge and become strong in the deen, then why are you not doing it? Sahih. It doesn't make sense to the child. Are we all together? I mean, when we were young, my father, my father memorized the Quran. But when we were young and we would finish Quran and our father would talk to us about memorizing the Quran, sometimes as kids we would say, Dad, read it. Read the Quran for us. We would test him as kids. Sah? You get excited and you say, Dad, read this. And when he reads, we smile. Daddy knows. Hakada. And that's what your children do to you. I mean, a lot of you might have seen that, sah? Your children sometimes ask you questions and they test you and they throw things at you and it encourages them. So if you want to have an Imam Abi Dawood come out from your house or a great Imam like this, then make sure your household is somewhere that this kind of scholar can come out. Don't make it a house where 50-inch plasma television is there, you buy him a game and he plays. Some parents, they come to me and they've understood from cultivating the child by telling the child to do this and don't do this. 
But the first thing you need to do is you need to prevent the problems first. Prevention is better than cure. Stop the bad things that are coming into the house first. And then you can bring the good. Are we all together? When he came to the ayah, What did he say? means? He said, Look what he said. He said, Educate your children. What does it mean? Ibn al-Qayyim explained it. Adibuhum means educate your child and observe him. Once you've told him that he needs to pray, you're supervising him. You're checking up on the child if he's actually getting up and he's praying. You're telling your child, go and do wudu. And he comes out and he just flashes, throws water at himself and he comes out. You need to supervise whether he did the wudu correctly. Are you with me, brothers? And sisters, this is very important. It's vital that the concept of tarbiyatul awlad is very well understood. So Imam Abi Dawood, he was born in Sijistan, as we mentioned before. Um, as for where he was born in Sijistan, within Sijistan, it's not clear yet. What village? Scholars didn't mention it. As for his family, we already mentioned it. And Imam Abi Dawood, let's talk about his immediate family, he himself, his family. He was married. And Imam Abi Dawood was mutazawijan. Uh, he married, he had a wife. khadim. And what did he have? He had a servant. Rahimahullah. If we get time, we might speak about that more. If not, we will just stop there. And Imam Abi Dawood, he had a son called Abdullahi. His son Abdullahi, his kunya is what? Abu Bakr. Have you guys heard of the Aqidah book, Manzumatul Ha'iyya? Who's heard of Manzumatul Ha'iyya? It's an Aqidah book. You've never heard of it before. Okay, remember this book. It's called Manzumatul Ha'iyya, it's an Aqidah book. It's written by Imam Abi Dawood's son, Abu Bakr wrote it. Imam Abi Dawood's son, Abu Bakr, he has a aqidah book called, it's called Manzumatul Ha'iyya. Manzumatul Al Ha'iyya. You know these books that you guys hear sometimes, Ha'iyya, Daliyya, Lamiyya. The reason why it's called that is because the last shatr. And by the last part of the nadam, it finishes with that letter to the end of the book. The reason why it's called ha'iyya is because every cent line it finishes with what? Ha. Every bait. What does it finish, finish with? Not every shatr. Every bait. What does it finish with? Ha. That's why Ibn Taymiyyah's kitab is called Lamiya, right? Lamiya to Ibn Taymiyyah. Why? Because it finishes with Lam. That's a, that's a skill, right? As a skill to finish, start a book and finish it with what? With one letter. So he has an aqidah book. He also even has another book, his son. His son is an imam. And Imam Abi Dawood's son, Abu Bakr, is an imam. Yusharu ilayhi bil banan. He has a book called Al Masahif. He has a book called Al Masahif. 
and I advise you all to buy that kitab al-masahif. Are we all together, brothers? This kitab al-masahif, it talks about and it refutes the Orientalist who speak about the Mus'hafs and the Qur'an, the differences and the wordings and how the Mus'haf of Uthman when it came and huh? the difference of the Mus'haf Uthman sent to the different lands each Mus'haf and how it was and the sciences related to that his son, Imam Abi Dawood's son authored a book in it are you with me? and look at this Imam Abi Dawood was asked, shall we take knowledge from your son? And he said, no, no, don't take knowledge from him. They asked him, shall we take knowledge from your son? He said, don't take knowledge from him. The reason is because when a father praises his son, it's a praise towards what? He himself, right? It comes back to him. Like he's kind of indirectly, who praising who? And they didn't like the idea of praising themselves. Like in the scholars did not accept that. They did not accept that because they can see his nobility and his righteousness and his, how great he was, Imam Abi Dawood. Abi Dawood's son, Abu Bakr. This book, I, uh, the Masahif, I want to mention some benefit of it. The Kitab al-Masahif. This Kitab al-Masahif, one of the first, if not the first, person who brought it out when the publishing and the printing houses came to the Muslim world was a bit late the Muslims they woke up and they realized the printing press and publishing house it came late to the Muslim countries are we all together the first country that had it was Egypt printing house one of the earlies, early. The Ottoman Empire brought it there and it was in Egypt. This Kitab al-Masahif, the first person who brought it out was an Orientalist. It was an, or, or, it was an or, uh, Orientalist, a Mustashrik. He read it and he manipulated the book altered it, changed it, used it in his own advantage. And so the scholars that came after it, they received more manuscripts, they corrected what he, went, what he played with, and the and they, majority of them, at the beginning of the, the book, they, they spent hours of um, pages of refuting the doubts that he's brought forward. Because he wants to prove the Qur'an is what? It's not preserved. And that the Musahif Uthman sent was different and the Sahabas had different Musahif and there were letters were different. And this shows us, subhanAllah, how you know, important it is that we Muslims read and study and we go through our, our knowledge and read it. And if we sleep, then others will benefit from it. Isn't it not sad that we're behind in the world and then even our deen, others are coming into it? Don't you find that sad? That's how it's becoming. Um, the virtues of Imam Abi Dawood and the good character of Imam Abi Dawood. Imam Abi Dawood had great noble characteristics. 
in knowledge and in action. See, this is important. To have makana ali, a high position in knowledge, and to have a high position in action. And he was a person, an Imam Abi Dawood, who had high aspiration. He used to implement what he knew. He used to follow the sunnah greatly. He was a very aesthetic person. Person who left his dunya and the glitters and the glamours of this dunya. It didn't resonate in the heart of Imam Abi Dawood. And the scholars, they praised him for that. Let's mention each of those. Number one. How Imam Abi Dawood would follow the Sunnah. How, how tough he was on the Sunnah. And that he wouldn't like the Sunnah to be changed around him and on himself. Listen to this. The scholars, they said, Imam Abi Dawood resembles Imam Ahmad ibn Hanbal, his teacher. They, re- they, res- they said that Imam Abi Dawood resembles Imam Ahmad ibn Hanbal. And Imam Ahmad ibn Hanbal, he resembles Waki' ibn Jarrah al-Ru'asi. Waki' ibn Jarrah. And Waki' ibn Jarrah al-Ru'asi, he resembles Sufyan ibn Sa'id al-Thawriy. And Sufyan ibn Sa'id al-Thawriy resembles Mansur ibn al-Mu'tamir. And Mansur ibn al-Mu'tamir resembles Al-Qamah. And Al-Qamah resembles Abdullah ibn Mas'ud. And Abdullah ibn Mas'ud resembles the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. That's the, you see, the silsila. The chain of how these scholars, you see, tasalsul. Each person resembles their teacher, and the teacher resembles this. Not in ilm only, and even in amal. So we have Imam Abi Dawood. He resembles Ahmad ibn Hanbal. Ahmad ibn Hanbal resembles Waki' ibn Jarrah al-Ru'asi. Waki' ibn Jarrah al-Ru'asi he resembles Sufyan ibn Sa'id al-Thawriyu. Sufyan ibn Sa'id al-Thawriyu resembles Mansur ibn al-Mu'tamir. Mansur ibn al-Mu'tamir resembles Al-Qamah. And Al-Qamah resembles Abdullah ibn Mas'ud. And Abdullah ibn Mas'ud resembles the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. This resembling is what? Ilman wa amalan. Resemblance in what? Knowledge. Their knowledge was pure, untainted. Purely from the Prophet to this, this. These are all Imams, one passing over to the other. And also the action. I will write those names on the board for you later, inshallah ta'ala. Imam Abi Dawood had what was known as Izzatu Nafs. What does Izzatu Nafs mean? Self-esteem, self-respect. To respect yourself. Imam Abi Dawood didn't humiliate himself for anyone. And this is a good character for a person. This is not pride and arrogance. It's knowing 
to respect yourself and to respect the knowledge and what you're holding onto. You don't humiliate yourself for anyone. You don't belittle this deen and you don't belittle what you're carrying. And Imam Abi Dawood listened to the story. This was a story that took place with the leader, the wali. He came to Imam Abi Dawood and he said to him, I want you to teach my children privately. I want you to give my children a private lesson. No one else is allowed to sit. Just you and my children. That's what he said. And an Imam Abi Dawood, he said to him, As for this request, because he asked him for a couple of things, three things he asked him. He said, as for this request, which is for me to teach your children privately. He said, There's no way to this. I can't do this. Why? Because the most honorable person and the lowest of low when it comes to knowledge, all of them are the same. Meaning anyone who's from a high background or a person who's from a low class, it doesn't matter. When it comes to seeking knowledge, everyone sits on the floor the same. This doesn't, no one has it. So he said, I can't do this. And you have to remember that this includes the leader's going to give money, connection, reputation. And Imam Abi Dawood saw it that he has to be fair with everybody. So this was something regarding his what? Izzatul Nafs, the respect that he had for that knowledge that he carried. Also, his zuhd. And Imam Abi Dawood was very zahid. Zahid meaning he turned away from this dunya. Because this dunya, brothers, the way we've perceived it and the way we see it today is mukhalifun lil It's opposite to the reality. Why? Because Allah who created this world, who owns this world, said, لَوْ كَانَتِ الدُّنْيَا تَعَدِلُ عِنْدَ اللَّهِ جَنَاحَ بَعُوضًا مَا سَقَى مِنْهَا كَافِرٌ This dunya does not equal to the wing of, it doesn't equal to Allah and does not equate to, in, in the eyes of Allah, a wing of a mosquito. Doesn't, not even a wing of a mosquito. If today, Apple came out and they said, the company Apple, and they said all the iPhones that we've produced, they're rubbish. There are faults in there. Would the people debate with Apple? Or would they say, these are the manufacturers, they're the ones who made it. So, Allah created this world and He's telling you it's nothing. And the evidence to show you that this dunya is nothing is the fact Allah gave it to the non-Muslims and the Muslims same. وَلَوْلَا أَنْ يَكُونَ النَّاسُ أُمَّةً وَاحِدًا لَجَعَلْنَا لِمَنْ يَكْفُرُ بِالرَّحْمَانِ لِبُيُوتِهِمْ سُقُفًا مِنْ فِضَّةً وَمَعَارِجَ عَلَيْهَا يَظْهَرُونَ وَلِبُيُوتِهِمْ أَبْوَابًا وَسُرُرًا عَلَيْهَا يَتَّكِئُونَ وَزُخْرُفًا وَإِنْ كُلُّ ذَلِكَ لَمَّا مَتَاعُ الْحَيَاةِ الدُّنْيَا وَالْآخِرَةُ عِنْدَ رَبِّكَ لِلْمُتَّقِينَ This dunya Allah gives it to the Muslim and the non-Muslim. Everyone has it, no problem. ولذلك, if some Allah gives you this dunya, it has no evidence, it's not an indication Allah loves you. Just because you have money and this, it doesn't mean Allah loves you. And just because Allah took the dunya away from you, it doesn't mean He hates you. 
لكن if he doesn't give you the day of judgment Jannah he does not love you وَالْآخِرَةُ عِنْدَ رَبِّكَ لِلْمُتَّقِينَ Akhirah is for the believers So this dunya, these ulama, they didn't see it to be much They only saw this dunya as to be a place to accumulate actions for the day of judgment and they didn't see this dunya as to be the final ultimate goal it's not the ultimate goal it's a stepping stone to the ultimate goal which is the day of judgment and Allah referred to this dunya as what? something that's going fast Allah tabarakwa ta'ala He said man kana yuridu al-ajila ajjalna lahu fiha ma nasha'u liman nurid thumma ja'alna lahu jahannama yaslaha yaslaha madmuman madhura wa man arada al-akhirah wa sa'a laha sa'yaha wa huwa mu'min fa ulaika kana sa'yuhum mashkura kullan numiddu ha'ula'i wa ha'ula'i min ata'i rabbik wa ma kana ata'u rabbika mahdhura unzur kayfa faddalna ba'dhum ala ba'dh wa lal-akhiratu akbaru darajatin wa akbaru tafdila Allah referred to the akhirah as what greater and bigger and better and the dunya what did he refer to it as man kana yuridu man kana yuridu al-ajila anyone who wants this hasty world that's going fast bal tu'thiruna al-hayat ad-dunya wal akhirah khayrun wa abqa you see akhirah remains this dunya allah referred to it as what subhanahu wa ta'ala he said وَمَا هَذِي الْحَيَاةِ الدُّنْيَا إِلَّا لَهُنْ وَلَعِبْ وَإِنَّ الدَّارَ الْآخِرَةَ لَهِيَ الْحَيَوَانِ لَوْ كَانُوا يَعْلَمُونَ What does it mean, Ibn Kathir, when it came to this ayah? وَمَا هَذِي الْحَيَاةِ الدُّنْيَا إِلَّا لَهُنْ وَلَعِبْ وَإِنَّ الدَّارَ الْآخِرَةَ لَهِيَ الْحَيَوَانِ He said, أي الحياة الدائمة المستمرة الذي لا زوال له ولا انقضاء بل هي مستمرة أبد الآباد This is Ibn Kathir's kalam that this dunya, I mean the akhirah is the real life. It's forever going to remain. And that was truly the reality of Imam Abi Dawood and others and the Sahabas. Allahumma la aisha illa aisha al-akhirah faghfir lil ansari wal muhajirah. That there's no life except the life of the hereafter. That's why brothers, your jobs, money, Everything that you're making, you're accumulating, you're gathering, it should be of benefit towards your hereafter. Somehow it has to play a role in the establishment of your hereafter. Whether you pay in sadaqah and you give it for the sake of Allah Azza wa Jalla, whether you use that money to increase yourself in beneficial knowledge and righteous action, it has to play a role in that regard. And Imam Abi Dawood, let's, let's go across some of the statements that he, has, he had said about the, the world and this life and everything. He said, Ash-shahwatul khafiyya. These are one of the great statements of his. He said that the hidden desires, that's hidden in many people, it's a hidden desire, is what? Hubbu riyasa Hubbu, the love of leadership. Hubbu, Al-Ri'asa is the love of leadership. And this, does it go against the Akhirah if you love the dunya? Naam, Allah tabarak ta'ala said, Tilka al-darul akhirah, naj'aluha lil-ladheena la yuridu, Tilka al-darul akhirah, naj'aluha lil-ladheena la yuridu, 
تلك الدار الآخرة نجعلها للذين لا يريدون علوا في الأرض ولا فسادا والعاقبة للمتقين They don't want علو في الأرض They don't want to be high in this earth and big and everybody looks at them Allah you know who just went by Allahu Akbar They don't like that They like to be hidden No one knows of them Abdullah ibn Mubarak one day Abdullah ibn Mubarak one day he came to a well and then when he came to the well was in a, it was in a place that no one knew him no one knew who was Abdullah Mubarak. And so they pushed him because everybody was trying to take the bucket and the, the water out of... And they pushed him in around and he was about to fall into the well. And then he looked and he said, I just wish the world was like this. That no one knew who I was. You know, no one gave me any importance. No one gave me any value. I just wish life was like this. And Imam Ahmad in the city of Baghdad, he said that he would, he would scrape against the wall and he would take the alleyways, never take the main road because he hated people stopping him and recognizing him. Ahmed, how are you? He didn't like it. And Imam Shafi'i he said, I wish people took knowledge from me and nothing was attributed to me. And that no one ever said that Shafi'i said, I just wish that knowledge, because he wants the reward to give the knowledge, but he doesn't want people, Shafi'i, 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 Ahmed, 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 Ahmed. None of that. So this is another example of the tawadu, tawadu, the humility and humbleness of these great scholars, is Imam Abu Dawood. He wrote a risala called Risala to Abu Dawood ila ahli Makkah fi wasfi sunanihi. And Imam Abi Dawood, he wrote a letter. The people of Mecca, they asked him about his sunan. How is this book? How did you author it? Can you explain it to us? What did you mean here? Uh, you know, they wanted to know and have an understanding of the book. So he wrote a letter to explain it. Look what he said inside it. This, is, this shows you how humble he was. He said, Sometimes I may leave a hadith. I mean, I bring it, but I leave it. If I do not understand his hadith, I don't say anything about it. What did we just say he is? Mujtahid mutlaq. He's a mujtahid mutlaq, and he's saying it, he knows that knowledge is an ocean. To claim that you know it all is impossible. He's saying that maybe I might come across a hadith that I don't understand it. What does he mean I don't understand it? Here he means I don't understand it. I don't know whether it's free from any defaults, mistakes, the errors that are in this hadith, the weakness in this narration. It still hasn't become clear to me. That's tawadu of the imam. He's attributing to himself what? That he may not know. And Imam Abi Dawood when he died, and Imam Abi Dawood, after after spending years of his life dedicating it for the religion, spreading it and teaching it, and giving, Rahimahullah, death came to him like it will come to every single person. Allah says in the Quran, وَمَا كَانَ لِنَفْسٍ أَن تَمُوتَ إِلَّا بِإِذْنِ اللَّهِ كِتَابًا مُؤَجَّلًا and Allah says in another ayah, وَمَا جَعَلْنَا لِبَشَرٍ مِّنْ قَبْلِكَ الْخُلْدِ أَفَإِمِّتَّ فَهُمُ الْخَالِدُونَ 
Allah says to the Prophet, I have not made Muhammad anyone live forever. That's never. If you die, Muhammad, do they think they're going to live? Nabi Allah, Muhammad died. Death is a hatmul lazimun. It's a reality. It's even something that even atheists agree with us on this. Huh? Is there a dispute about death? And it's sad that the most agreed upon thing became an ijma' whatever religion you hold, wherever you come from, and it's the least prepared for. Huh? The one thing that every people, every nation, everyone agrees that death is going to come to everybody. Sah? So, Imam Abi Dawood, just like every other Imam died, he died. And he died on a Friday. Four days, 14 days were left from Shawwal. And the year was Sanata Khamsin was wa Miatain, two hundred and seventy-five. Look how much Al Imam Look how much is two hundred and seventy-five. Al-Imam Abi Dawood, look how, the, I want you to remember this brothers, this Imam and many Imams you find, they used to stick to the Sunnah when they were alive. Look when, he, when even they're dying, they give a final verdict that the Sunnah should be followed in the way that they die. Al-Imam Abi Dawood, look what he did. When he became sick and he became ill, he requested an yugassilahu Hassan ibn al-Muthanna. He said, I want this man, Hassan ibn al-Muthanna. I want him. His name is Al-Hassan ibn al-Muthanna ibn Mu'adh al-Ambari. I want him. Who died in year 294. He said, I want him. He was a man who was righteous. Static individual. And he's from the Nubala'i Thiqat, very reliable individual. Rahimahullah, Imam al-Dhahabi speaks about him in Sayyid Alam al-Nubala'i. The reason why he chose him is because he knew the hukum and the rulings pertaining to washing the dead according to the Sunnah the best. He was the forefront the most knowledgeable man in washing the dead body according to the sunnah and how it should be done he was the one who knew it the most the narrations, the evidences, the views, the opinions he knew it the most so he said I want him to wash me I want this man to be the one who washes me this is what he said he said if you guys whatever reason he doesn't do it for me or he passes away or he doesn't come or whatever it doesn't happen then I request that the kitab written by Suleiman ibn Harbin, who he narrated from his teacher Hamad ibn Zaydin, that that book is brought and it's used as an instruction to wash my dead body. Implement that book. The kitab written by who? Suleiman ibn Harb. He narrated from his teacher Hamad ibn Zaydin, I want that book to be used as an instruction. The evidences and the statements that are in there, I want that to be used for my body to be washed. Are you with me, brothers? So these individuals, they implemented the sunnah when they were alive and they made sure that it was implemented after they died. 
May Allah tabarak wa ta'ala bestow his never-ending mercy onto Imam Abi Dawood. And may Allah give him subhanahu wa ta'ala great reward. And may Allah accept from him the hard work that he put forward for this ummah. Allah has the ability and may Allah resurrect him with the Prophet, the Messenger Muhammad sallallahu whose sunnah he served. May Allah resurrect him with him, the Day of Judgment. Now we're going to go into the kitab written by Imam Abi Dawood, his sunan, and get some understanding regarding the book. There's so much that can be said about his journey and his traveling and his students and etc. So many things. If you go to my channel, I have a four, I'm a five parts, each an hour taqriban, which I spoke about the sunan Abi Dawood and his sunan in more details. But now we're just going to go over it fast. <coughs> now we're going to go to his sunan. We're going to go into the, the sunan of Imam Abi Dawood. So let's start with the name of the book. This book, what is it called? Ismul Kitab. What's the name of this book? The name of this book is Sunan Abi Dawood. The kitab is called Sunan. And it's attributed to the author so you don't confuse it with other Sunan. The Sunan of Abi Dawood. But the kitab is called Sunan. Why is it called Sunan? Because the author called it. Remember I told you he has a risala, a letter, where he wrote to who? The people of? The people of Mecca. And in there he said, فَإِنَّكُمْ سَأَلْتُمْ You guys have asked me. And that I explain for you the narrations that's in the Sunan. You want me to explain it for you. So what did he call it? He called it Sunan. He called it what? Sunan. So the kitab is called Sunan. Number two, point number two regarding the book. What Mawdu'ul Kitab? What does this book deal with? What does it discuss? I already mentioned it to you. It is a hadithul ahkam. It's what? What does a hadithul ahkam mean? Hajjusbudu rulings. We're talking about fiqh issues. You're not going to take heart softening from Sunnah Abi Dawood. In other words, the book is not written for raqa'iq. It's not written to speak about the virtues of the companions. It's not written to tafsir of the Qur'an. It's not written to, huh? Manaqib and fada'ilul a'malan. It's not written on that. This book is written for what? Huh? Hukum. Rulings, verdicts. He says it himself. وَإِنَّمَا لَمْ أُصَنِّ فِي كِتَابِ السُّنَنْ إِلَّا الْأَحْكَامَ I never authored anything in this book except ahkam. Mentions all of that is sunan. Does that make does that so you're not gonna find fadailul a'mal, you're not gonna find zuhud aestheticism from this book? Hukum. How many ahadiths are in it? He said, he himself says it. So we'll take what he said. He said, Arba'at ala, four thousand 
and 4,800. 4,800 hadiths. All of them in what? All of them in ahkam. All of them in what? All of them in ahkam. When did he author it? When did he author this book? And Imam Abi Dawood, the time that he authored this kitab, it's hard to restrict it and narrow it down to a particular timing. It's hard. It's hard to say that this was the time he authored it. And to say that this was the moment that he wrote it. What's the best publication that I would advise you all to buy? If you wanted to read Sunan Abi Dawood. The best publication out there right now is the publication that was put together by Daru Ta'seel. Daru, Daru Ta'seel. Rather, Daru Ta'seel. I personally think it's the best in all the six books of hadith. All of it. Darul Ta'seel. It's the best for all the six books of hadith. Bukhari, Muslim, Dawood, Tirmidhi, Virgin, Nasai. What we did one time was we sat down, me and a group of brothers, and we took the Kutub al Hadith al Sitta, the six books of Hadith. Bukhari, Muslim, Abi Dawood, Tirmidhi, Ibn Madan, Nasai. And we made a circle. Everybody brought a different copy. What did they do? Different publication of the same book. And everybody read a portion of the book. Reading fast. And we want each person to have a different copy. And then we were, if anybody felt there was a different statement in that, they would tell us it. And we would look at it. And then we realized Darul Ta'seel has the least mistakes. Like Sunnah Abi Dawood, we only found two mistakes in it, the whole book. That's good. Two mistakes, the whole kitab. Are we all together? We look at the tab, we look first grammatically, it doesn't make sense, for example. Arabic is wrong. That's one way. Or the sharah doesn't have this in it. We look at the sharah of the hadith in other ways. In English, is Sunnah Abi Dawood? I don't know English. Is there Sunnah Abi Dawood English translated? Yeah? Dalu Salam. Okay. What's the best sharah for the kitab? Sunnah Abi Dawood, or one of the best sharah and explanations is the sharah of, it's called Aunu al Ma'bud. Aunu al Ma'bud. 
Aunul Ma'bud. It's called. And it's written by the great Indian scholar Shamsul Haq Al Abadi. It's called Shamsul Haq Abdul Azim Al Abadi. This Sharah is very good. Are you with me, brothers? Shamsul Haq Abdul Azim Al Abadi. Abadiyu. His sharah is very good. Ibn Raslan, the great Shafi'i scholar, he has a sharah of Sina Abi Dawood. Al Khattabiyu has a sharah of Sina Abi Dawood called Ma'alim al Sunan. What is it called? So Shams al Haq, Abdul Adim al Abadi, second one is Ibn Raslan. He's a sharah of Sina Abi Dawood. Which is published Walillah Alhamdulillah recently came out. Back in the days we didn't have it. We used to we used to read it through wasa'it, through means, through other books. But now Alhamdulillah it came out. The Sharh of Ibn Raslan, the great Shafi'i scholar. The third book I'm, the first, third person I mentioned is Khattabiyu. Abu Sulaiman, Muhammad ibn Hamad al Khattabiyu, Ahmad ibn Hamad al Khattabiyu. He has a kitab called Ma'alim al Sunan. One of the early scholars who translate explained it. It's good. And there's also the Tahdibu Sunan of none other than the great scholar Al Imam Ibn Al Qayyim Al Jawziyah. Ibn Al Qayyim authenticated, graded the hadith in Sunnah Abi Dawood, and he also explained it in his book Tahdibu Sunan. And now, Maktabatul Islami, Maktabatul Ma'arif, what they did was they placed on the Aunul Ma'bud of Abdul Azim al Abadi, at the bottom, they placed the Tadib Sunan of Ibn al Qayyim. And the Hukum and the rulings of who? Sheikh Albani. Because Albani has a what? What does Sheikh Albani have? He has Sahih Sunnah Abi Dawood and I Da'if Sunnah Abi Dawood. Sheikh Albani. So they took that and they placed it inside the Aunul Ma'bud. So really, when you buy Aunul Ma'bud, you get the rulings of Albani on the, at the bottom. You also get the uh, rulings and the discussion and the explanation of who? Ibn Al Qayyim in there, which is the Tahdib Al Sunan. And the kitab aslan, the shalah is who? The shalah is who? Abdul Al-Azim Al-Abadi. Abdul Shams Al-Haq Al-Abdul Al-Azim Al-Abadi. I think it's Maktabat Al-Ma'arif. Okay, now let's go into the narrators of the Sunan. If you guys want, inshallah ta'ala, I'm going to send you the, uh, inshallah ta'ala, the, what's it called? Risalat Abi Dawood, Risalat Abi Dawood ila ahli Mecca, 
رسالة أبي داود إلى أهل مكة في وصف سننه The letter Abu Dawood wrote in what? In describing his what? His sunan. My teacher from back home Somalia, he worked on the Risala to Abu Dawood ila Ahli Mecca. Risala to Abu Dawood ila Ahli Mecca, he worked on it. Meaning he collected and he brought manuscripts together, he worked on it, he spent time on it, and he even explained it. And I haven't seen anyone who's done a better job in the tahqiq of the kitab than him. So far, he's the best. Every time somebody comes and then, yeah. But so far, he's one of the best. And it would be nice if one time we can go over it. Like if we studied it, that risala that he wrote, it will give us more understanding of the sunan. Now we're going to go into the narrators of the kitab. We're going to go into the Ruwat, the people who narrated the Sunan of Imam Abi Dawood, who narrated it from him, Rahimahullah Ta'ala. Five are the, the main ones, inshallah Ta'ala. There are many, but five are the main, inshallah Ta'ala. You need to memorize these five and know them because. These different narrators have different wordings in the Sunan Abi Dawood. Because remember Abi Dawood, the kitab was evolving. Some students, they took it from it at an early stage. And then some took it at his later stage. And then, sah, the copies are going to be different. Some things he changed, he took it out. Some he let it. So the first one is Abu Ali. Abu Ali. Muhammad ibn Ahmad Abu Ali Muhammad ibn Ahmad Ibn Amr Ibn Ibn Amr Al-Lu'lu'i Al-Lu'i Al-Lu'i He died in the year 333 And the reason why he was called Lu'i is because he used to sell Lu'i Pearls, huh? Pearls, huh? Lu'i in English is pearls, right? Riwayat al-Lu'i You're going to hear that a lot when you study Sunnah Abi Dawood, what, do what are you going to hear? The narration of who? Riwayat al Lu'i. You're going to hear that. What are you going to hear? Riwayat al Lu'i. It's this man's riwayah. And it is a Sahur riwayat, the most authentic riwayat. Note that down. Why? Why is it the most authentic riwayah? لأنها من آخر ما أملأ أبو داود. It's the last. It is the last presentation of Abu Dawood. This is the final edition. 
Riwayatul Lu'lui is the final, is Ardatul Akhirah, is the final presentation. <laughs> he had it the year Abu Dawud died. So this is the final one. Okay. The second one is Abu Bakr. Muhammad Ibn Dasa Ibn Ibn Dasa Dasa Dal Alif Sin Ta'mar Bota That's the second narrator and Ibn Dasa, he is the Shaykh of Abu Sulaiman al Khattabi that I told you, the one that authored the Kitab Alim Sunan, one of the explainers of the what? Sunan Abi Dawood. One of the people who explained Sunan Abi Dawood, I said it was who? Abu Sulaiman al Khattabi, Alim Sunan. This is his teacher, Ibn Dasa. Ibn Dasa is what? Ibn Dasa is the teacher. The third one is Abu Isa Ar-Ramli Huh? Huh? On where? It's not Isa, it's Isa Abu Isa Ar-Ramli Abu Isa Ar-Ramli He is also from the narrators That's number three, right? Number four Number four Abu Sa'id Al-A'rabi Abu Isa, Abu Sa'id, Al-Arabi. And last but not least is Abu Al-Hassan Ali ibn Al-Hassan ibn Al-Abd Al-Ansari. Al-Abd Al-Ansari. So just write Abu Al-Hassan Al-Ansari. So it's Abu Al-Hassan Al-Ansari. Al-A'rabi. Those are the main narrators of what? Sunan.
quickly let's go over how many books are inside the Sunnah Abi Dawood. Remember Sunnah Abi Dawood? How many kitab, 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 kitab? How many kitabs are in there? How many books are in there? There are 36 books in there. How many? 36. Tahara, Salah, Zakat, Luqtah. Luqtah. Al-Manasik, Al-Nikah, Al-Talaq, Al-Sawm, Al-Jihad, Al-Dahaya, Al-Sayd, Al-Wasaya, Al-Faraid, Al-Kharaj, Al-Imarat, Al-Fay, Al-Janaza, Al-Ayman, Al-Nudur, Al-Buyu', Al-Ijaza, Al-Aqadiyya, Al-Ilm, Al-Ashriba, Al-Atima, Al-Tib, Al-Itq, Al-Huruf, Al-Qiraat, Al-Hammam, Al-Libas, Al-Tarajjul, Al-Khatim, Al-Fitan, Al-Mahdi, Al-Malahim, Al-Hudud, Al-Diyat, Al-Sunnah, Al-Adab. All of those are the kutubs that are in it. How many? Thirty? Thirty-six. Um, Ibn Majah, how many does it have? Thirty-seven. And Imam Ibn Majah, Ibn Majah, Ibn Majah. How many does he have? Thirty? Huh? Thirty-seven. Tirmidhi has fifty. Tirmidhi has how many? Fifty kitab. Nasai has how many? Fifty-one. Muslim has what? 53 and Bukhari has 90, 97. Who wrote it? How, many, how, many, how much does uh, Widawud have? 36. What about Ibn Majah? 37. What about Tirmidhi? 50. What about Nasai? 51. What about Muslim? 53. What about Bukhari? 97. Bukhari has 97 kitab. That's how many it has. How many hadiths, taqriban, did we say? Lakin, when we got the last presentation of the book with the riwayat al-Lu'lu'i ibn Das and all of the riwayat, today the number, the exact figure that we have is 5,274. With all of the riwayat and everything, it's 5,274. So how many difference, what's the difference taqriban between what we mentioned now it's about 470 something, right? 74. Ha, taqriban. Ha. And Ibn Udasa and stuff like that. There's little differences here and there. Taken. Yeah. So you guys have an understanding of the book and the author himself. Any questions? No. What did I say? What did I say that was for? Huh? When we put in all the riwayat of the riwayat of who? Al-Lu'lu'i and Ibn Das and all of them. This is how much numbers we have. I mean, according to the publication that we have today, this is exactly the number that we have. Because sometimes the scholars, when they count the hadith, they may count it different in the way that they choose to count it.
Any questions? Rafadal. Yeah, who? Imam Abi Dawood. Yes, too much. We didn't mention all of them. So many kalam, wise statements that he said. Rahimahullah ta'ala. Kitab al-Musahif. Is it better than al-Itqan? Now, Itqan is all ulum al-Qur'an. Itqan is ulum al-Qur'an, the whole science of the Qur'an. Like al-Musahif is only a part of it, which is the what? The Mus'haf, that's it. Specific to the Mus'haf. It doesn't talk about Nasikh and Mansukh and all of that. It doesn't go into that. It just talks about Mus'haf, the Mus'haf that we have. It won't talk about tafsir or anything. So the Kitab Sunnah Abi Dawood, what do we have in it? A hadith which are da'ifah. Sometimes he even mentions them, they're da'if. Especially when he can't find a hadith which is authentic in this issue, there will just be one weak hadith there. Imam Abi Dawood. And Shaykh Al-Bani, rahimahullah ta'ala, what did he do? He came and he authenticated it. He got rid of those hadiths and corrected them and authenticated it. Lakin is Shaykh Al-Bani's authentication a final proof? Yeah. Shaykh Al-Bani, he didn't accept the rulings of some of those who came before him. When he looked at it himself, he felt that they were wrong and he's right. And somebody may come after Shaykh Al-Bani and say the same to him. Are you with me? Al-Bani, Shaykh Al-Bani, rahimahullah ta'ala, looked at in the Hajar's works and disagreed or agreed, صح? And somebody's going to do the same to Shaykh Al-Bani. So we, we're not mut'asib for Shaykh Al-Bani, rahimahullah ta'ala. Like when you go against Shaykh Al-Bani, don't just go against him because of hawa, desires. Or Ibn Hajar or others. If you go against them, then you should go against them based on the science that you know. If you know the science, go against them based on the science. And in a correct way. Does that make sense? Naam. His own student, Sheikh Albani, didn't agree with all of his gradings. So sometimes they differed. Sheikh Mashur, who worked on the kitab itself, Sunnah Abi Dawood, and took out, what he did was he organized it. Uh, he took out Sheikh Albani's you know, reasoning. So Sheikh Albani explains why he weakens narrations. All he did was he just took out that, and next to the hadith, he just wrote da'if and sahih. So the person can just look at it, who's a ammi, and he knows it's sahih or da'if. Um, even he doesn't agree with all the gradings of the Sheikh, his own teacher. Uh, which one came first? The first, inshallah ta'ala, is Bukhari, la shak. And then it's what? Muslim. And then it's Al-Imam al-Nasai, in terms of authenticity, right? Al-Imam al-Nasai, when it comes to the four Sunan, he's the most authentic. Are we all together? 
So it's Bukhari, Muslim, Al-Imam Al-Nasai, and then Al-Imam Abi Dawood, and then Tirmidhi, and then Ibn Majah is last. But that's in terms of what? So you see, it depends where you're looking at it. We looked at it in terms of authenticity. Like if we look at it in terms of, uh, what do you call it? The fiqh and the, Imam Abi Dawood is better than Imam Al-Nasai. If somebody wants to learn a hadith al-ahkam, this is better to memorize. Are we all together, brothers? But if you look at it from the angle of mentioning some benefits and some nice gems and the views of the fuqaha, then Imam Tirmidhi is better. Tirmidhi will say this is, when he mentions the hadith, he'll give you a ruling and he will, tell, he will say, this is the call of Sufyan al-Thawri or Shafi'i or Ahmed, or he'll tell you. So he's got those extra benefits. Does that make sense? In terms of authenticity, it's Imam al-Nasai, is the highest from the four. And then Abu Dawood, and then Tirmidhi, and then Ibn Majah. That's just the issue of authenticity. The Aunul Ma'abud with the Tahdeeb Sunan on there and the Sheikh Albani's grading and everything, it's Maktabatul Ma'arif. That's what I believe. Maktabatul Ma'arif. Any other questions? Ah, are you? Who? Natural death. He just said normally. He was ill, he became very sick, and that's it. Ah, according to scholars of hadith too. According to the scholars of hadith, if two sahabas narrate it, then it's two different hadiths now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So when it comes to a hadith al-ahkam, a hadith al-ahkam, it's good to memorize after a person memorizes the 40 hadith of Imam al-Nawi after you finish the 42 hadiths of Imam al-Nawi the person should memorize the kitab Umdatul uh, Ahkam and then the person should memorize Bulugh um, al-Maram we're talking about hadith al-Ahkam Bulugh al-Maram these two books one does not suffice you from the other. One cannot suffice you from the other. You have to memorize Umdatul Hakam and Bulughul Malam. Student of knowledge, if he memorizes this book, I've said this before. If a person memorized the Ahadith of Bulughul Malam, and then he also memorizes the Kitab in Madhab Shafi'i, for example, Minhaj by Imam Al Nawi. Or if you're a Hanafi, uh, sorry, if you're a, if you're a Hanbali, you memorize a Zad. Zad Zad al-Mustaqni'ah. Are you with me, brothers? Or if you're a Maliki, you memorize Muqtasar al-Khalil. 
if you're a Hanafi, you memorize the Hidayah of Marghinani. All four madhabs, right? With the Bulugh al-Maram. And you memorize one of those texts, whichever madhab you're from. And you memorize the Bulugh, you are truly a Faqih. And you, and you understand it, of course. You've combined between Hibd and Faham. You are a faqih. You deserve to be asked questions of the religion and you can give verdicts. You, you have every right to give fatwa. What do you have? person has rights to give fatwa. Memorizes, Umzatul Hakam finishes it, goes to Bulughul Maran. Once he reaches Bulughul Maran, he goes for any of those four texts based on whichever madhab he follows. He has rights. You know Sheikh Ibn Baz, Sheikh Abdul Aziz Ibn Baz. Ibn Baz, whether he was traveling or whether he was a resident, the person with him, because the Sheikh was blind, would always carry Bulugh Maram and read it on the Sheikh. Finish it, start it again. Finish it, start it again. Sheikh Ibn Baz used to carry with him Bulugh Maram and Tafsir Ibn Kathir. Bulugh Maram and what? Tafsir Ibn Kathir. And what was he? Yeah, he was the Mufti Al-Am. He was the Mufti, the Holy. Yeah, he was a big Mufti, the Alama Ibn Baz. He, but if you listen to Sheikh Ibn Baz's answers on, on Nurul Ala Darb radio and the questions when he's asked and he responds, listen, look what he says. He says, Rawahu Al-Khamsa. Who says Rawahu Al-Khamsa? Ibn Hajjab says, Ibn Bulur, Maram. The five narrated it. This is, these are istilahat according to Ibn Hadr. Ibn Baz used that. He would say that. You can see he memorized Bulur Maram. He memorized it. Ibn Baz bi'itqan. Kalima, kalima, harf, harf. Are you my brothers? People undermine this kitab. Lakinahu wallahi. By Allah, this book is something else. This kitab, Bulur Maram, is a kitab. Once the person then finishes it, which I come to your question, is that if a person does finish that, he should first go for um, the ahadith, Bukhari and Muslim both agree. What is it called? Matafaq shaykhan. The ahadith, Bukhari and Muslim both agree. So the hadith that we call what? What do you call it? We call it Muttafaqun Ali. Once you finish the hadith, Bukhari and Muslim both agreed upon then you go for the hadith Bukhari is alone in. Ah, which is going to be little, right? And then you go for the hadith which Muslim is alone in. Now what have you got? You've got some hadith now left that you, that you didn't find in Bukhari or Muslim that is in where? The four Sunan. You memorize all of that. It's called Zawaid al a couple of thousand, you swallow that. What have you finished? This is a systematic way of memorizing. You finished the six books of hadith in memory and you've done it from Arba'in and Nawiyah. Does that make sense? If a person combines brothers between Hiv and Faham. Of these books that I'm mentioning, he memorizes and faham, he understands them. 
That's what knowledge is. Some people today, they just want to understand. Biduni hifd. They don't want to memorize a little bit Nothing, no Quran, no nothing. Just, just want to sit there, just look at you like that. Are you, dear brothers? Hifd. Have to memorize. Walidalika, the thing that you can truly claim is what you memorize. Shaykh ibn Uthaymeen said, Rahimahullah ta'ala, Shaykh ibn Uthaymeen said, the knowledge that benefited us the most is what we memorized. Ibn Uthaymeen said this, the knowledge that benefited me the most, Ibn Uthaymeen said this about it, himself, is the knowledge which I memorized. What I memorized benefited me the most. You know why? Because what you memorize is what goes with you. When you need it, you can just extract it. You don't say, I wish I was in my library. Wallahi, I would have shown you. Is that what you're going to say when somebody asks you for a fatwa? Somebody comes up to you and says, is this permissible? And you say, no, it's not permissible. And they say, what's the evidence? And you go, what? What do you mean evidence? Akhi, come on, you know, I'm, you know I'm a reliable person. Come on, I wouldn't just say it. Is that what you're going to say? Allah said, oh, the Prophet said, it has to be on the tip of your tongue. It has to be on a wah. Does that make sense? I, I, I'm Shafi'i, so I tell people to Kitab al Minhaj, it's the best. Like in the Hanbali, we say to you, it's the best. If a Hanafi was standing here right now, he would say, Hidayatul Marghinani. You know the Hanafiya, they went, they went overboard with the Hidayah by Marghinani. Look what they said. They said, Inna al-hidayata kal-Qur'ani qad nasakhat. That the hidayah is like the Qur'an. It abrogated all of the other books. <laughs> Meaning, what did, the, what did they say that the, uh, what did the Qur'an do? It abrogated all the previous books, right? The Torah and the Injil and the Zabur. So they said, Inna al-hidayata kal-Qur'ani qad nasakhat. Ma, they said, Lam yati qablahu min, Lam yati qablahu min shay'in wala, something like that. He said, فحفظ, he said, فحفظ قواعده وصلك مسالكه Memorize its wordings. It's kalam, ajeeb, ajeeb. So, you know, Shafi'iyah, the Shafi'i scholars, they got upset with that. Because that's, that's a direct attack to the Shafi'i. And they said, no problem, it is. It's the Qur'an of the Hanafiyah. This is the Qur'an of the Hanafis. It's not our Qur'an. Uh, it abrogated all of the other previous books because it's not Qur'an. Ala kulli hal, all these books are strange. Good in the madhab. So the Hanafi madhab, their, their, their summary and the khulasa is in the Hidayah. The Malikiyah, their summary and everything is in the Mukhtasar al-Khalil. Well, if you go to Morocco or if you go to Mauritania, you see little kids memorize Mukhtasar al-Khalil. They memorize, they swallow it, they take it in. Minhaj, Al-Imam al-Nawi. If you go to YouTube and you type in Somali, they sit down and they read the minhad from the memories on YouTube. <laughs> They're reading it together. They're taking portions. You know how many masail are in the kitab minhad? 60,000 masail far'iyah fiqhiyah. 60,000 masail fiqh. They're memorizing it. Furu' fiqhiyah, you memorize it. If you memorize these 60,000 furu', like sub-branches, and you have the evidence to support it, isn't that, isn't that good? What's missing from you? Only one thing is missing from you, which is the nawazil and the mustajadat, the new things that are happening. And what do you need for that? 
You need qawaid al-fiqiyah. What do you need? Qawaid fiqiyah. You memorize the legal maxims. So you sit down and you memorize the kitab, uh, the kitab Faraid uh, al-Bahiyah by al-Ahdal. Any new thing that happens today, you have a principle where you bring it back to. Sahih? Am I making sense? I think it's, better, it's best for me to say something now. I think it presented itself. It automatically presented itself. And that is the upcoming event that's going to take place, the Dawra Ilmiya. There's a Dawra that's going to happen, inshallah ta'ala, on the 22nd of December. It's going to be on the 22nd of? And it's going to be to the 5th of January, sah? Am I right? You see, brothers, for you to reach Bulughul Maram, Umdatul Ahkam, these big books that we're talking about, try to come to this Dawra. I truly advise you. The 22nd of what? December to what? To the 5th of January. You're going to learn 10 different sciences. In how many days? Taqreeban 15 days. You're going to take 10 different sciences. Fiqh, Hadith, Usul al-Fiqh, Qawaid al-Fiqhiyah, Nahu. Um, what else? Did I mention Mustalah al-Hadith? Did I mention Usul al-Fiqh? Usul al-Fiqh. 10 different subjects. What are these 10 different subjects? These are 10 different subjects. A student of knowledge, whether it be a beginner or whether it be a muntahi, a person who's finished seeking knowledge, which I'm being loose in that usage, needs to study these books. These books you have to study and you have to read them. And you know what I like about this one? I'm sorry to say, but I like this, these 15 days more than the essentials. I have to say why because this curriculum it has been put to the test and it's the curriculum that produced ulama are you with me brothers trialed and tested and it produced scholars from those works is like muqaddim fi usul tafsir ba shaykh al-islam one of the books we're going to do we're going to do the sharh al-sunnah imam al-muzani rahimahullah written by ismail ibn yahya al-muzani the student of imam al-shafi'i well, the, one of the books we're going to do is Al-Waraqat by Ma'ali Al-Jwaini. One of the books that we're going to do is Nukhbatul Fikr fi Mustalahi Ahli Al-Athar written by Ibn Hajar Al-Asqalani. You see? And book, other books like that, which inshallah the list is going to come out. I honestly believe, I'm not saying this for myself, Allah, it's not for me, but I'm saying to you brothers, just one book from those books, if you travel to China for it, Wallahi, that would be a journey worth it. One of those books, let alone all of those different books, in a very short period of time, to learn it. And it's going to be all translated for you in the English language. So it's, you're gonna, when you get the metan, inshallah ta'ala, the metan is going to be here, and right next to it is the English. Word for word explanation. And each point is just fawaid, benefit of what the author was trying to say. I advise you to come. That will build you to know the next step that you need to take to seek knowledge. I, I'm not going to lie to you. It's, is it going to be tough? Of course it's going to be tough. Allah said about the Quran, inna The Quran is heavy. But do you leave something, brothers, because it's heavy? 
it's heavy, but it can be taken on board. It can only be taken on board if the person comes with the means, number one, and he takes his pen and his paper and he listens attentively and he takes notes. And if he comes with a mind and a heart that believes that he can achieve it, he can do it. But if you come with a subconscious mind, a pre preconceived notion that, you know, uh, all these books, really, I can't come. It's not for me. My brain, my this, my that. Then the first enemy that you have is yourself. No one else. You know, I have no other enemy. You are the first enemy. Because, brothers, look at this. Ibn Taymiyyah, did he come out of his mother's womb with knowledge? Was he reading Bukhari when he came out? I'll ask you guys a question. Did Imam? No, he didn't. No, he didn't. لا ولا الباني ولا النباز ولا ابن عثيمين none of them. They all came out with no knowledge, but wallahi, they exerted the efforts. Allah says, wallahu أخرجكم من بطون أمهاتكم لا تعلمون شيئا. You came out of the womb of your mothers, you knew nothing. No one had a head start. No one had it. But when you chose to sleep and not come to that class, or you chose not to read, or you chose not to revise, they didn't choose that. They chose to read. They chose to revise. They chose to read. You know, Sheikh Albani became sick. The doctor said, you're not allowed to read because of his eyesight, because of his illness. The doctor said, you cannot read. That's the first thing the doctor prescribed for him. And he went home and he said, okay, I listened to the doctor. He went home. He sat. A day went by. Sheikh Albani is used to 15, 20 hours of reading. He's told, stop. He added, he started becoming fidgety. Then he said, you know what? I sat down, rahimahullah ta'ala, to just do a very simple job. You know, just something simple. Something, you know, before I used to do a lot, this time I'm going to do something easy, light on myself. What did he do? He, rahimahullah, he said, I, he stopped all of his other mashru'at, all his other projects that he was doing. And he said, I'm just going to organize the content page for my books. And he ended up organizing Maktabatul Zahiri, the biggest Islamic maktaba in the entire world that we had in Surya. He sat down and he organized the whole of those books and made a fahras for it, a content page. In other words, when you want to get that book, you can easily get it. It's still over there. There's not any one of them except you. Sheikh Albani's Faharas, you know his Faharas? The, his content page. For his books, it reached 800 volumes. Rahimahullah ta'ala. Are you with me, brothers? I ask you guys a question. How? And keeping in mind, at that time of Sheikh Albani, Maktabatul Shamila wasn't there. Maktabatul Shamila is a program now where you can just write the hadith and it will come out straight away. If he wanted one hadith, you know how long it will take him to find it? It wasn't even published, some of the books. He would have to read it as a manuscript. It, the handwriting was hard to read. Allah, brothers. He did it because he did not give up. He didn't stop and didn't say, I can't do it, I can't. He believed in himself and he went forward. Rahimahullah ta'ala. And that's all that's missing from us. That energy, that belief, that hard work, that enthusiasm of going forward. And that's why many of us are. We're not reaching our goals. We're not getting anywhere. So I advise you all, try to come be even in Linafsika for yourself. You'll truly benefit.
the details Munawwar is going to give it to the brothers inshallah ta'ala where it's going to be when is it going to be where you have to register 10 different sciences make sure you come it's 10 different books in 10 different sciences inshallah ta'ala Um, any questions that anyone have? Huh? Abdul Ghani, Abdul Wahid Al Maqdisi. You know, I. You know, Abdul Ghani, Abdul Wahid Al Maqdisi. His story. You know, I opened back in the days, I used to have a madrasa called Madrasa Al Umariya. I've opened it. Did, has, have you guys heard of it? I opened it and there was a reason why I called it that name. What was there? A reason why. Now I'm Kelima. I'm not Madrasa Umari, okay? I'm Kelima. So, um, Abdul Ghani Abdul Wahid Ahmadam Maqadi, so these scholars known as Maqdisiyah, these scholars known as Maqdisiyah, they have a story. Abdul Ghani Abdul Wahid Maqdisi, his, his cousin, Muwafaquddin ibn Qudam al-Maqdisi, who wrote the Kitab al-Mughni, I advise you all to go and read it. The author of this kitab, his name is called Abdul Ghani. Abdul Ghani Abdul Wahid Al Maqdisi. Read their story. Honestly, go and read their story. How they went from Baytul Maqdis and they stayed in Syria and they built a they stayed in a place called Jabal Qasiyun and they built a madrasa called Madrasa Al Umariya and how everything was established and there were some there were women in there who were muhaddithin scholars of hadith they were knowledgeable and they got eaten by mosquito read their story and they lost family members and how they were being chased by the uh, enemies when you read that story you realize how much effort was put in seeking knowledge and all you have to do is just put the key into the car and just Park the car, get your coffee out and just sit and in a lesson. Wallahi. These scholars, they were, they were dying from mosquito bites. And they were dying from the water that wasn't clean. Wanting to seek knowledge. And in the halaqa they were passing out. Some of them were dying. Are you with me, brothers? So, read this, uh, their biography. Especially Abdul Ghani. Start with him and read his life. And then it will stem out to the rest, inshallah ta'ala. Diyaul Maqdisi and the others. And then realize, you know, compare yourself with these people. Don't just read their lives, but compare their, yourself with them. How much effort are you really putting in seeking knowledge? How much are you really learning? You know, this is the inheritance of the messenger, brothers. Nabiullah Muhammad didn't leave money behind for his ummah. He didn't leave, he left knowledge, ilm. If your father died, you would make sure that you take his inheritance. And you will not miss out. Nabi Muhammad's inheritance has been given somewhere and you know it's being divided and it's being. Mahdalik, you're not there. You're missing from it. Ikhwan, knowledge. Allah Ta'ala honors a people what they know. I advise you all nurture yourself upon knowledge. However old you are, learn. Just learn. Don't stop until Imam Muhammad was old and they saw him and he was carrying a log, you know, a big log. 
and he had you know a pen and he was writing and he said ya aba abdullah ila mata how long are you going to seek knowledge for like, are you not going to stop now you're imam everyone's coming to you are you not going to stop seeking knowledge and he said no he said min al mahbarati ila al maqbara min al mahbara ila al maqbara from the cradle to the to the grave from the cradle to the grave i'll never stop seeking knowledge and that's how they were there's a kitab it's called Al-Mushawwaq ila Qira'ati Al-Kutub Something like that It's written by Sheikh Ali Al-Imran And there's another kitab written It's called Safahatu fi Sabri Al-Ulama'i It's the patience that some of the scholars showed When they were seeking knowledge It's uh, These two kitabs You cry when you see The way that they exerted And the time that they exerted In seeking knowledge Literally You, you know Ibn Aqil You know what he said? He said that the time I hate the most is when I have to eat. Eating time was the worst for him. You know, uh, we like that time. It means a lot to us. We wait for that moment. We've called the family together. We come under the table and enjoy and roll up our hands. and Yeah? They hated it the most. Some of them, عند الاحتضار. The moment they're, part, they're dying, the, the nafs is being taken out of them, they will revise fiqh issues. Those books mentioned it. Wallahi, fiqh issues. Which one is better? Uh, Abu Yusuf, the student of Abu Hanifa, was asked, and he's dying on his deathbed. He asked those around him, he said, Look, which one is better? To go around the Kaaba seven times on your riding beast or to walk? And he's. Abu Zur'at al-Razi Abu Zur'at al-Razi You know, he was on his deathbed He's passing out, he's just about to die What did he do? They saw him dying And they felt They, they want to say to him Say la ilaha illallah Because they remember the hadith of the Prophet Man kana akhiru kalami min dunya la ilaha illallah Dakhal jannah Ama laqinu mawtakum la ilaha illallah So they started the chain of the hadith And then when they started the chain each one mentioned the chain and it came to him and he finished off the chain and then he mentioned the Prophet's statement which is anyone who says La ilaha illallah will enter Jannah and he said Man qala La ilaha illallah and he died you see so this brothers is really what it is knowledge and learning gaining understanding of the deen of Allah Azza wa Jalla every day brothers that comes by in your life make it your vision Every day that comes by, your knowledge of the religion increases and your actions increase. If there comes a day where your knowledge doesn't increase and your actions don't increase, there's a day you failed. That day was a lost. You lost that day. Because look what the, Allah says about the Prophet. What did he say? What did Allah send Muhammad with? What was the second? What is Huda? Beneficial knowledge. Huda here means beneficial knowledge. What does it mean? Al-Amal al-Salih. Righteous actions. Nabiullah Muhammad came to establish on this earth beneficial knowledge and righteous actions. So every day in your life, your knowledge has to be greater and more and your actions have to be even better. Five days ago, if I met you, I have to see different Different person, the way you carry yourself is totally and utterly different now. Because every day you're growing, you're growing, you're growing, you're growing, you're growing. 
and that's why knowledge is important. May Allah make us from those who have great knowledge of his deen and those who implement what they know. Any other questions? So everyone here agrees that they're going to come to those cl- that class. Even if you find it hard, have in your heart, inshallah it won't be hard, trust me, inshallah ta'ala, it won't be hard. Lakin, you're not going to expect knowledge to just enter your heart. It will never just be like that. Nothing is like that. But that you, inshallah ta'ala, come with the effort and the dua and you ask Allah ta'ala to give you the tawfiq and the sadat. The information regarding it will come out soon, inshallah ta'ala. Mm. So We have 10 15 days And we have 10 different books 10 what? Different books The way that I plan to go through it is as follows I will be sitting on a chair You guys are going to give me a chair right? <laughs> so I will sit on a chair And the plan inshallah ta'ala Is there's going to be a brother Who's going to read the Arabic So those who know the Arabic can benefit from it and another brother is going to read the English for the text. So before I even explain what the Sheikh is saying, you already know what the text is. Oh, am I making sense, brothers? So you already know what the text is. When I come in, I'm just going to give you bullet points of what that paragraph means. If it needs evidences, I'll give you the evidences. And you just note down the evidence. Is that something hard? Huh? Is that something hard? Is, does, does it seem like it's going to be hard? Inshallah ta'ala. That's really how it's going to be. And then inshallah ta'ala, in the future, next time when we do it again, we, make it, we may make it a bit more, exp- more extra explanation. And then more explanation. And then more explanation. You know, the thing that people always get wrong is the kitab nukhbatul fikr. Have you guys heard of it? Who, who heard of Nukhbatul Fikr? Nukhbatul Fikr. Nukhbatul Fikr is a science of hadith book. This kitab, Nukhbatul Fikr, is how many, how many hours is it taught in? Um, how many days is it taught in? Some scholars, they teach it in seven, eight, nine, ten days. That book. But do you not know the author, when he wrote it, he wrote it between Dhuhr and Asr. He was a traveler. He was on his riding beast, Ibn Hajar. And he authored it. He was traveling, he was on his riding beast. Between two salahs, he wrote it. So when the person who is explaining it treats this book like it's so big, what does it defeat? It defeats the purpose of the author. And the author didn't see his book to be a what? Mutawwal. He saw it to be a muhtasar. He authored it for somebody to read it. And then just put it down and say, that's it. So that's how these books are in its essence. 
Like it got treated like it's what? Got treated like a big book. Well, because some of these books, when I showed it to some brothers, they were like, is this how small it is? Because all this time they were seeing what? A two-volume explanation. And so they thought the two book was two, 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 two volumes. You see, the way that a scholar is when he comes to teaching knowledge is that he simplifies things. That's the asal. These books should be treated small. But what it does need is, see, I can do it as easy as I want. And I can simplify it as easy as I could. But the truth of the matter is, if you're absent-minded and you're thinking about, you know, inshallah ta'ala, next time I, my salary when it comes through and this is how much I'm going to invest into this business, can, I can't. Sahih. When you're coming, you have to come with your pen and paper. You have to have a mind which is clear. You have to come with the aspiration, the drive, the motive. Then inshallah ta'ala. We're both we're working together now. And some people, because this is new to them, it's automatically like negativity. No, learn to get out of your comfort zone. Explore things in life. Sah? Are you and your brothers? You can't eat chicken curry every... Every day you have to eat biryani, you have to eat other meals. So the person has to change things and explore other, other avenues of seeking knowledge. And I think, inshallah, those of you who've done the essentials, alhamdulillah, you have a good head start. Especially for a lot of the sciences, you have a good head start. Does that make sense? It will help you. It will what? A lot of it will make sense, okay? Because I took a lot of it from those books. Alhamdulillah. Barakallah fi. So a hadith which is da'if, can we use it in ahkam? We'll leave that answer for the nukhbatul fikr. When we do nukhbatul fikr, there's a, there's a discussion in there we're going to do. Which is, can you use weak narrations in jurisprudent rulings? We have to leave this place at 9 o'clock sharp. Have to, and it's one minute left to 9 o'clock. So, barakallah uh, feekum. Jazakumullah khairan.